0: Only seven sleeps till the big day, seven sleeps until we celebrate the miracle of God taking on human form and look forward to him coming again at the end of time to set all things right. The church, the Anglican church, other churches too I think, they set apart the four weeks before Christmas um, and they call it Advent which is from the Latin adventus, which means the coming. And it's a time of preparation for us to prepare our hearts, get our perspectives sorted, get our minds off food and guests and travel plans and lists and logistics and gifts and men in red pajamas. As we meet in Advent, we prepare to remember the birth of our King and we look forward to his return. In Advent, we remember that Jesus' coming was not a random event, but part of God's plan to reconcile a rebellious world to himself. In the passage that Pat's just read for us, Isaiah describes a future leader, a king from the line of David, a gift from God to his people this leader was to carry ultimate authority, would be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These are great qualities in a leader for those of us who find ourselves living in times of darkness. This darkness may be of discouragement or fear, adversity or uncertainty. We're all living in difficult times, whatever our circumstances. Daily headlines can easily lead us into fearfulness or discouragement, rising costs of living, our national housing crisis, COVID and its aftermath and its ramifications, conflict and instability in so many countries around the world. A wonderful counselor promises wisdom. A mighty God is more than a match for anything that life will throw at us. An everlasting father is a source of comfort, nurture, provision, and loving care. And the Prince of Peace promises us a reign of justice, without conflict, without politicking, without partiality, fairness for all. The arrival of this great king, this perfect leader, is described as being like light appearing in darkness in verse two of our passage. This leader provides an unending rule of greatness and peace, unending justice and righteousness. Whatever your politics, is this not the leader we all long for? If you've ever been in a blackout, or a power cut, as you call them in the UK, (laughs) you'll know the power of light when you finally find a lighter or a match. No matter how dark it gets, Even a tiny pinprick of light chases the darkness away. So it is when this perfect leader appears, he will bring clarity, order, insight, and justice. In verse 3, we see the joy of the people and the expansion that he brings to the nation. And there are clues here already about who this leader might be. The spread of the gospel after the resurrection of Jesus saw the expansion of God's people to include believers across the world, to include us. We're part of that expansion, that harvest. In verse four of this passage, Isaiah refers to a battle that demonstrates the victory of light over darkness. God gave Israel a great victory, using Gideon's force of only 300 men to defeat a huge army of Midianites. Now Gideon was a very unlikely leader, afraid even to tread his grapes in the open for fear of the enemy. But under God's direction, the direction of this wonderful counselor and this mighty God, and a few lamps, he and his tiny army trick the enemy into fighting amongst themselves. When this leader that Isaiah describes appears, war and bloodshed and death and suffering will come to an end. We read on in verse 5 that the artifacts of war and bloodshed are destined for destruction. They will not be part of this kingdom. Those of you who were here last week will have heard Chris describing this, this amazing future where peace and safety will be the norm. And this is the future that Isaiah paints for us here as well, with the wonderful promise at the end of verse seven, that the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord, his kinach, can be translated as jealousy, a focused commitment to his people. All of this comes about at God's initiative, not ours motivated by his fierce love for us. Scholars debate when this prophecy was fulfilled. But Jesus so perfectly fits the description here and fulfills so many prophecies in Isaiah that, like the early church, it's easy to see that this was Jesus being predicted seven centuries before he was born. Matthew refers to this prophecy in his account of Jesus' birth in chapter 1 of that gospel, speaking of the virgin giving birth, and the child being born, and the light coming in the darkness. And John testifies to him in the first chapter of his gospel, linking him not just to this prophecy in Isaiah, but even back to Genesis, using the language that we find there. In the beginning was the Word, John says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You can hear how John picks up the theme of the light shining in the darkness from our passage today and links it to the very origin of existence itself, the very beginnings of life. The word is Jesus. Jesus is the light that shone in the darkness as he took on flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Jesus is the promise kept by God to provide a light in the darkness. Jesus is God's gift to the world. We receive this gift when we put our trust in Jesus and reject sin, the sin for which he died. And if we do put our trust in Jesus, his death for our sins and his resurrection set us free from the penalty of death that sin brings and from the fear of death and it releases us into a new life in him. Believers carry the light of Christ in the darkness of this world, and we live in the victory that he's won for us. Some refuse God's gift of Jesus. Some of us politely decline for a whole variety of reasons. Some of us think we don't need God, or we've outgrown God. Or we like the ethics of Jesus, but we're not too keen on the belief part or the trust bit. Or the obedience part. Some of us believe and trust, but actually still prefer to do things our own way, thanks. Some of us love the idea that we have access to a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. But it's more like a fallback, like... An emergency fund that we might draw on in times of need when our own resources run dry. For some, he is the final resort, not the first priority. But for those of us who do believe, who do receive the gift, we enter into the promise, the beautiful promise that Chris was describing to us last week where God makes barren places fertile, makes ways in the desert, heals the lame, gives sight to the blind, all these prophecies fulfilled in the life of Jesus. We'll say later on in our service, I believe, if I'm reading this properly, that Christ has come, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And in seven sleeps, We'll be celebrating this with feasting and family and special services which we hope you will come to. Jesus will come again, our wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Many of us here know and believe all this already. We may have grown up hearing about how Jesus' life and death were foretold hundreds of years before they happened, and how this points to God's plan of salvation. Heard it all before, Andrea. If that's you, then I invite you to let yourself be caught up in the sheer wonder of it. Like Pat was when she was reading it, she could barely get the words out. Don't let familiarity blind you to the miracle of God's love. That had him not only take on flesh and live as a human being, but let himself be put to death by his own creatures to repair our connection to God. Get excited again. Christmas is not just for the children, it's for all God's children, which is all of us who believe in him. We cannot outgrow the wonder of what Jesus did. Reconnect to the joy of Christmas as you complete your final preparations get your work finished or your home ready for your visitors or whatever this week looks like for you. I know for some this Christmas will be really difficult. It may be the first one after you've lost a loved one. And for you, I I would love to invite you to allow yourself in the midst of your pain to ponder the miracle that God is with us. He is with us in our pain, in our sorrow, and in our loneliness. He came into the world to defeat death forever. Paul tells us in Colossians that God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross if you have never put your faith in Christ, then hear his invitation to life. Jesus entered history and became human and offers a way to relationship with God. His was the only perfect life, lived without sin so that he could bridge the divide between sinful human beings and our holy, perfect God. If you want to know more, reach out to me or Chris, or a Christian friend, come along to Alpha in February. The world is in darkness, but we know that the light of Christ has come. He brings clarity, peace, justice, hope. Jesus is our wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace, Amen.